O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. Pharaoh's chariot and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths are congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. And all the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm they shall be as still as a stone, till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in, and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in. In the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established, the Lord shall reign for ever and ever. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. The Old Testament for this Wednesday Vespers of Judica is written in the 14th chapter of Exodus, beginning at the first verse. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn back and encamp before Pihahirath, between Migdol and the sea, before Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp opposite it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will follow after them. I will get honor over Pharaoh and over all his armies, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. They did so. The king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servant was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done? 
that we have let Israel go from serving us. He prepared his chariot and took his army with him, and he took six hundred chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt, with captains over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, for the children of Israel went out with a high hand. The Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, and his army overtook them encamping by the sea, beside Pi-Haharoth before Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh came near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they were afraid. The children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you treated us this way, to bring us out of Egypt? Isn't this the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For you will never again see the Egyptians whom you have seen today. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall be still. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Then the children of Israel shall go into the middle of the sea on dry ground. Behold, I myself will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will go in after them. I will get myself honor over Pharaoh and over all his armies, over his chariots, and over his horsemen. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten myself honor over Pharaoh, over his chariots, and over his horsemen. The angel of the Lord who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. It came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. There was the cloud and the darkness, yet it gave light by night. One didn't come near the other all night. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. The children of Israel went in the middle of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the middle of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. In the morning watch, the Lord looked out on the Egyptian army through the pillar of fire and of cloud and confused the Egyptian army. He took off their chariot wheels, and they drove them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let's flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come again on the Egyptians, on their chariots, and on their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. The Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the middle of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even all Pharaoh's army that went in after them into the sea. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked on dry land in the middle of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. 
Israel saw the great work which the Lord did to the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles, beginning at the fourteenth verse. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and spoke out to them, You men of Judea and all you who dwell at Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. Let all the house of Israel therefore know certainly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. With many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. There were added that day about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayer. Fear came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and distributed them to all according as anyone had need. Day by day, continuing steadfastly with one accord in the temple and breaking bread at home, they took their food and gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to the assembly day by day those who were being saved. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Large Catechism, Infant Baptism, paragraphs 47 to 49. Do children also believe, and are they justly baptized? The baptism of infants is pleasing to Christ, as is sufficiently proved from his own work, namely, that God sanctifies many of them who have been, as infants, baptized, and has given them the Holy Ghost, and that there are yet many even today in whom we perceive that they have the Holy Ghost, both because of their doctrine and life as it is also given to us by the grace of God that we can explain the scriptures and come to the knowledge of Christ, which is impossible without the Holy Ghost. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Mark, the tenth chapter. They were bringing to Jesus little children, that he should touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who were bringing them. But when Jesus saw it, he was moved with indignation and said to them, Allow the little children to come to me, do not forbid them, for God's kingdom belongs to such as these. Amen, I tell you, whoever will not receive God's kingdom like a little child, he will in no way enter into it. He took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was delivered up to death, that he might quicken his people. In Salem also is his tabernacle, and his dwelling place in Zion. He was delivered up to death, that he might quicken his people. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was delivered up to death, that he might quicken his people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The question tonight, do children believe? That is really saying, can children have faith? Are they rightly baptized? And Luther presents these questions in the large catechism, but he hates them. He proclaims that such questions come from the devil in order to confuse the church, because these questions are tantamount, really, to when the serpent asked the woman, did God really say? Did God really say? And just as the devil succeeded in tempting the woman, so he has in some way succeeded in confusing the church. Look out how many divisions and denominations there exist today over these very questions. So for the sake of true Christian doctrine, for the sake of salvation and certainty of salvation itself, and for the preaching of Christ crucified, these questions need to be answered, even though God's word is clear. So it's included in our large catechism, and we're talking about it tonight. Do children believe? Can children have faith? Now, nearly everyone can agree that a person without faith should not be baptized. And so those who reject infant baptism, they will claim that since infants cannot have faith, then they can't be baptized. Because faith to them is one of two things. For some, they claim that faith is a decision, a conscious decision for Christ. Since then, as they claim, a baby is without intellect or the willpower to make decisions, they'll say also that a baby can't have faith, that it's not possible. Meanwhile, others will claim faith is more a matter of the intellect, of knowledge and reason. They'll argue since a baby has no intellect, no ability to reason, no knowledge, well, then it's impossible for a baby to have faith. He can't have faith. And that if a baby can't even be conscious of himself, they say, then he can't be conscious of God. And so by going with their understanding of faith, they say, that would make faith impossible for an infant. They'll argue it's possible for a baby to have maybe the seed of faith planted in him, but that the faith is only attained by them as intellect is acquired. Either way, whichever claim people make, the result is that they say a baby cannot have faith, and without true faith there can be no true baptism, they say. Now notice here, as an aside, notice that when faith becomes dependent on you and what you do, that you have to create faith for yourself, then the sacraments also become your work. They become a law. And so we see here why many children in the West go unbaptized, as many are today. And the reasons for that are legion. Maybe it's because they, the parents fall under Baptist or Pentecostal philosophies, and refuse to get their children baptized for the reasons we just heard. For others, it's because these philosophies, Baptist, Pentecostal philosophies, since they downgrade baptism, it leaves many par parents ignorant and unaware that they need to baptize their children. 
Yet for other unbaptized children, it's more tragic than that. By holding the intellect as the way of God, by holding it higher than it should be, it gives way to secularism, rationalism, and philosophies like Marxism, which deny any spiritual realities altogether. And we see this even in some Lutheran churches in Germany in centuries past, after the Enlightenment began in full swing. In those Lutheran churches, under the sway of pietism and rationalism, they were actually embarrassed by the Lutheran teaching on baptism because they thought their piety and reason were the true ways to God, and they wanted to kind of poo-poo things such as sin and the devil and hell. So then children go on baptized even today because baptism is seen as a work or a trifle or as nothing. Or baptism is denied altogether in atheist religions like Marxism. And such is what happens when faith is believed to be a decision or of the intellect. It is eventually denied and rejected. And indeed, with such an understanding of faith, infants couldn't attain to it. If that indeed is what faith is, then infants can't have faith. However, such a belief about infants and faith misunderstands both. For instance, I've had the pleasure of having five children watch an infant in his mother's arms. I've had the pleasure of doing that for many years. Watch him feed off his mother. Watch the infant rest on his mother. Watch the infant snuggle up against his mother. Watch, and this is what you'll see. You'll see a baby with complete trust in his mother to love, care, and provide for him. From the time a child leaves the womb, that trust in his mother is there. Because from the moment the child is born, he's looking for his mother and trusting her to feed him, even right after birth. Babies trust. If they didn't trust, they wouldn't survive. And tragically, a baby's trust may be most evident when that trust is betrayed when parents abuse or neglect their children. Because when that happens, the child becomes damaged psychologically. Some begin to fail to thrive in the worst of ways, to the point where they can even stop growing. They don't want to continue. Or if they do grow, then they develop an innate sense of distrust of others, and it can become difficult for them to connect with others over their life. Because that original trust and belief that they would be cared for when they were born was betrayed, because they were born having that trust. So no, a baby is a full, complete human being with an intellect, a will, and emotions. And oddly enough, we see this in the the abortion debate. In the abortion debate, Baptists, conservative Baptists, and conservative Lutherans are on the same side. They both want to see abortion eliminated. In the abortion debate, those such as Baptists, along with us, will claim this very thing, that a fetus and an infant are complete and whole people made by God. But here's the thing. If you argue an infant is a complete human being in the midst of the abortion debate, then you must also realize that the infant is also a complete human being coming to the font in baptism. If a baby is a complete human being created by God with an intellect, a will, and emotions, who is also born with a trust in its mother and its father, then a baby can also have faith. Which means a baby also needs to be baptized to be given faith. 
It all comes down to that. Faith. It's about faith, a correct understanding of faith. And while a baby is a complete person with an intellect and a will, still we must understand that faith itself is not the intellect or the will. Faith is belief. Belief in the word of God, the word of salvation. Faith is the fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And faith is not something we are born with. An intellect, a will, emotions, we're born with those. Faith, though, is not something we are born with. Because faith was lost to mankind in the fall. We who are born with original sin, that's the absence of faith. Faith is not something we can earn or create in ourselves. Because our original sin and depravity make that impossible. Faith instead must be created in us by the Spirit, so that when we have faith and we have the eyes of faith, then we can see God. Then we can revere Him in the heart. When faith is created in us, then we can receive all God's gifts from creation and from the cross. And in response, then in faith we can love Him. With faith created in us, then we can trust in God for every good thing. Our intellect, our reason, our will, Those are not faith, nor do they create faith. They can, however, serve the faith. For those who live in the faith, intellect, will, emotions, reason, they serve the faith. They can exercise the faith and help us in the faith cling to the gospel. But those things themselves are not faith. So with or without intellect, reason, or a will, or in whatever degree we do or do not have those things. Faith can be present, because faith is a working of the Holy Spirit in us. When an infant comes to faith, none of us can be exactly sure when it happens, but we know how the Spirit creates faith. The Scriptures tell us the Spirit creates faith through the Word. The word of God preached by the pastor, the word of God sung in hymns and the liturgy, the word of God read and prayed by the parents, the word of God in the waters of baptism. So as the word is heard even in the womb by a fetus, there the Holy Spirit can create faith. So that just as an infant comes out of the womb trusting in his mother, so also by the spirit and the word can an infant be in the womb and come out of the womb trusting wholly in Christ for his salvation. Perhaps the baby can't think of that salvation. Perhaps the baby can't meditate on the salvation being given to him. Or maybe the baby can't make a conscious decision based on on that salvation, because the intellect, the will, they're not developed yet. But still, the infant has faith and trust in God, which the Holy Spirit has created in him. We see evidence of this all over Scripture. Those who argue against infant baptism do so because they say there's no explicit example of an infant being baptized in Scripture. You have at least adults being baptized in Scripture, like the Ethiopian eunuch, but they say there's no no specific instance of where an infant is baptized. They show that, but then they miss everything else in Scripture where infants are given and live in faith. And the clearest example of this is John the Baptist in his mother's womb, who, when he heard the voice of Mary, leapt in his mother's womb because Christ, 
in whom John had faith was there. So right there in Luke 1 is an infant, a fetus, who has faith, showing it's possible for the Holy Spirit to create faith in an infant, even in a fetus, even in the womb. And examples of faith given to children is all over the Old Testament. And the Old Testament sacrament of circumcision, which itself prefigured baptism. There, eight-year-old boys were to receive circumcision. And in that circumcision, they had faith created in them. Also in the Passover and in the Exodus, as we just heard, the entire people of Israel, actually says the children of Israel, received faith and salvation going through the waters. And afterward, they praised God because of the faith they had in him. The children of Israel had faith, which includes infants, because the infants also went through the waters. Go look at Matthew 18. Our Lord says, unless you repent and become humble like a child, Unless you trust in God like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, look at our gospel tonight. Our Lord says the same thing. He says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, and that could be an infant to whatever age child, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now think of this for a moment. If children can't have faith, yet we need to receive the kingdom of God like a little child, then Christ would be saying that we have to receive the kingdom of God without faith. That's ridiculous. Of course Christ is saying here that we need childlike faith to enter the kingdom of God. The faith of a child, the faith of an infant, even the faith of a fetus, in the mother's womb. Christ is saying we must have faith like a child, like an infant trusting its mother and wholly trusting God to enter the kingdom. Now, if you are asked to think of someone of the faith, we often think of examples of adults who have lived the faith. Very pious adults or very knowledgeable theologians in church history. Those are the people we imagine in our heads. And there's some truth to that. It's true that the apostles and pastors and teachers of the church, they have been entrusted with the faith to share and teach the faith. But the examples of faith, of trust, of living faith, for those examples, Christ always holds up children. He never looks to adults. When he, when he wants an example of faith, he always points to a child. Because it's not adult faith that gives the norm or shape of faith we expect from infants. It's the other way around. As one of our theologians put it, infant faith is the norm for adult faith. Infant faith defines and gives shape to adult faith. Since infants are conceived with the same original sin in which we are all conceived in, they have just as much need of faith and salvation as we do. In fact, their faith our Lord always holds up as an example. And so our Lord says, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. So then infants can have faith, and they are also rightly baptized. Not only that, but if 
infant faith is the norm for adult faith, then that means infant baptism is also the norm and model for all baptism. Meaning even adult baptisms are infant baptisms. Because the same childlike faith receives the promises of God in both adult and infant baptism. And really, there's no distinction between adult and infant baptism. They're the same. The only reason why anyone thinks of a distinction between the two is because of this silly debate. And we hear Christ's desire for children to come to him and to be blessed by him, not just in our gospel, in our gospel, but also in Matthew 28 from a few weeks ago. And Christ says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. Infants, if you notice, are a part of all nations. And if you don't believe that, go talk to people of nations who have incredibly low birth rates and ask them if infants are a part of the nation. And what you'll see is that nations that lack infants are an incomplete nation. Infants are a part of a nation. And likewise, Peter echoes our Lord on Pentecost, which we heard in Acts 2 where he proclaims a baptism, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and your children. Now what promise is that, in, is that given in baptism? He says it right here, the promise of the Holy Spirit given to you, the promise of the Holy Spirit bringing you to Christ crucified, the promise of the Holy Spirit bringing Christ's forgiveness to you. Peter is explicit. Baptism and the promises therein are for you and your children, which goes to show that when parents refuse to baptize their children, a lack of faith is indeed evident, but it's not a lack of faith in the child. It's a lack of faith in the parents who refuse to believe the word and have their children baptized. For them, Luther did not doubt that the children have faith. They heard the word of God. They most likely do have faith. But he said that the parents were without faith because they blasphemed against baptism. They blasphemed against, the, against God's word in baptism. And Luther says that they were of a different spirit. He was saying they are not in the church. They are not Christian. Because baptism is the word of God in the water. And the word of God is to be trusted and believed. Baptism is not made valid or invalid based off the faith of the person or based on how baptism is received. If we baptize a child, I'm not concerned whether or not the child has faith. I'm not asking myself that. Because as the, as the child gets older, I don't point a child to baptism and then tell him his assurance of, of salvation is in his faith. <laughs> no, baptism depends only on the word of God, on the word and command and promises of God. When the word is added to the water, there is the spirit with the word. And there is Christ who the spirit brings to you. And when the word is added to the water, it is the word that makes it a valid baptism. And where there is a valid baptism, it's valid because the promises of God are there. And in baptism, the word of God makes baptism a refuge to that child for the rest of his life. His faith doesn't give him that refuge. Baptism gives him that refuge. Now, faith is needed for baptism to be effective, for the benefits to be received. But salvation is given in the sacrament. So then, in baptism is where our assurance lies. 
To doubt the sacrament would be to doubt the word and promises of God. To refuse to bring a child to baptism is to refuse to bring the child to Christ so Christ may lay his hands on the child and bless that child in the water. To keep a child away from baptism is to keep the child out of Christ's death and resurrection because it is in baptism where the Spirit continues to create the church as a whole of which infants are included because they have faith. Now, one last point I need to make before we wrap up our series on baptism. And that addresses the concerns of many who fear for the eternal fate of those children or even possibly adults who die before they can be baptized. This can happen perhaps in miscarriage or stillbirth. It can happen when a child dies shortly after birth. It can happen when a child or adult die in some kind of accident before they can be baptized. And many of us on our minds also ask about those born, those children born to non-Christian parents that die or those killed in abortion or infanticide. What about them? Well, let us first here address the, the Christian parents who have children that have died without baptism. The Christian parents who saw their children die without baptism yet desired baptism for their children, greatly desired it. And to you, the word of God says nothing but promise and comfort. There's promise and comfort for you in the scriptures. Because your child, even in the womb, heard the word of God in church. Your your child heard the word of God as you sang hymns, as you prayed, as you read the word of God at home. What we know is that the Word of God is an active and living Word that enters the ears and hearts of all who hear it, even infants, even those in the womb. So the Word of God can create faith where and when it wills. Because baptism is not a law to be followed, it is a gospel to be given. And so can can faith be created without baptism? Where the Word of God wills to be created, yes. And along with that, we hear the words of St. Peter in that Pentecost sermon. This promise of baptism is to you and to your children. The promise is to your children. And on the one hand, it means that baptism is meant for your child. That you ought to get them baptized. And on the other hand, along with this, it means that the promise that you received in your baptism extends to you and also to your child. Now, this does not mean that in baptism that you can have faith for your child, that the faith created in you saves your child. No, no, no. That's Calvinist. We don't don't think like that. Instead, it means that in baptism, God's promise is to create faith in you, to give you the Spirit and create faith in you, and to give your child the Spirit and create faith in him. So that under the promise of baptism, If your child dies before he can be baptized, the word of God has still worked in his heart and the promise in your baptism is received by him as well. This promise is to you and your children. 
Now to those children born to non-Christian parents or that die from abortion or infanticide, to what promise can we point? And this is much more difficult for us because what clear promise of God is there to which we can bring people to? And at this point, we begin to enter the unsearchable judgments of God of which nothing is given to us to say. But yet in the scriptures, we find there are a couple things that we can point to. First, we as the church pray for such children. And you know God. You know your heavenly Father. You know that our Father in heaven is faithful and just and merciful. And he has promised to hear your prayers. And so we bring these children to God in prayer. We throw these children upon his mercy, knowing that he has promised to hear us. And second, along with that, while these children are inherently sinful, they, like us, have inherited original sin, they are also victims. Victims of original sin. Victims of murder. And so Luther says of this, even though infants bring with them inborn, that is, original sin, it is nevertheless important that they have committed no sin against the law. They haven't been able to act on that sin yet. Since God is by nature merciful, he will not let their conditions be worse because they were unable to obtain baptism. That is to say, for such children, we trust in God who is merciful and just. We bring them to God in prayer, knowing that he hears us. And in God's mercy, we stay. But for infants and all children that are in our care, we simply trust Christ when he says, Bring the little children to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. For the children in our care, we take them to our Lord. We bring them to the waters, knowing that in the font, our Lord will take them up in his arms, lay his hands on them, and bless them. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I said, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. O Lord, save our rulers. Let the king hear us when we call. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Remember thy congregation. 
which thou hast purchased of old. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. Let us pray for our absent brethren. O thou, our God, save thy servants that trust in thee. Let us pray for the brokenhearted and the captives. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Send him help from the sanctuary, and strengthen them out of Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Arise, O Christ, for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. O Lord, God of our salvation, who by your Son's salutary passion extinguishes all our evil passions, give to us, your servants, forgiveness of our sins and remission of our guilt, to the end that from you, O Lord, we may one day receive eternal life. Almighty God, we give thanks to you for our baptism into Christ, where we were buried with him through our baptism into his death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too may live in a new life. 
Grant us this new life, O Lord, that we might live faithfully and joyously as your children in the blessed hope of everlasting life in Christ. Sanctify this fast, O God of mercy, that thereby your faithful people may see more clearly their need for your forgiveness and graciously accord a favorable hearing when they call upon you. We beseech you, Almighty God, mercifully look upon your people, that by your great goodness they may be governed and preserved evermore, both in body and soul. Almighty and everlasting God, who hates nothing that you have created and forgives the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Give peace in our days, O Lord, because there is none other that fighteth for us except thou, our God. O Lord, let there be peace in thy strength and abundance in thy towers. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all harm and danger, and we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also, from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please Thee. Into Thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let Thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen.